You've just found your way to CX in the Wild, Season 2, where Dennis Wakabayashi is again on safari around the world, capturing candid conversations with the leading executives in the customer experience and marketing industries. And now, let's step into this episode of CX in the Wild. Here we are with Akrit, CEO of AppDedge. First time we've ever had a guest in the studio, by the way, to talk to us a little bit about what he has going on at AppDedge. AppDedge is a artificial intelligent powered company that is doing something interesting that I find unique in the marketplace right now. What they're doing is they're tapping into the models of GPT, bringing those over into corporations and creating unified search for agents, which means they tap into knowledge that's found in Slack conversations, Jira, production management, things like um, Zendesk trouble tickets. Can you start by just telling us who you are and what you do? Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Dennis. Um, so my name is Akrit Prasad. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO of a company called AppEdge. And we started AppEdge a couple of years ago based on pain points, having been an operator for about 15 years at companies like Salesforce, AppDynamics. So I've kind of seen challenges scaling companies from seed stage to growth stage to public software companies and those pain points inspired me to start AppEdge. Nice and take me back I what I like to share with the audience is who you are what made you the CEO you are today can you tell me you know about your early years um, did you immigrate to the United States or you were born here yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, when I was a kid in an elementary school, um, we moved from India. I grew up mainly in Ohio. I spent uh, my uh, elementary, middle school, high school years there. And then after that, and lived in a few different cities for work. Nice. Tell me about your your formidable years. Yeah, I was. I would say I definitely would be qualified as a nerd. Um, although I think the definition of nerd has become... Uh, more flexible in, in this technology age where everybody is assimilated with computers and excited about technology. But I was a uh, nerd too, by the way. I mean, I enjoyed kind of geeking out on things and just kind of expanding my brain to learn about new things, whether they're in different areas of sciences like biology, chemistry, physics. I used to love physics. That was my favorite subject. I also played a lot of sports. Uh, my two sports were swimming and tennis. So I just really enjoyed being immersed in, uh, in activities where you get to work or bond with other people and like work together as a team to accomplish a goal. But at the center of my upbringing was always this element of knowledge. Like, How can I learn as much as possible? My parents were a huge inspiration for me in wanting to continue to expand my brain, learn more about different aspects of uh, industry, you know, uh, read different kinds of uh, books and literature and just kind of educate myself as much as possible. And in high school, I, I was the kid that was involved in 15 different extracurricular activities while playing three different sports. And I just, I love the ability to learn new things and, and, and meet as many people as possible. Every time you learn something new, that knowledge intersects with all the knowledge you have. And that increase the probability of you thinking about something new or thinking about some new way to innovate. Uh, and so I fundamentally believe that more, the more knowledge you have, the, the more intelligent you are, the more you can contribute to uh, the people you work with or the industry you work in. So I know this intersection of knowledge is, is interesting. And I also, it reminds me of that phrase, uh, a jack of all trades, master of none. 
is still far better than master of one. And I love that you have this diverse background. You you have this wide diversity of experiences mm-hmm. and knowledge, and then you go into college. Did you did you drop out of college? No, drop no, no. To so, start a business. <laughs> Yeah, as much as I was excited about learning new things, I kind of thought of my learning experience as, as a T. You want to go deep in one thing, be really good at that, but then also increase the breadth of coverage for knowing enough about a few other things, right? So you're more well-rounded. And so uh, I was in school for uh, materials and biomedical engineering, and at the time I wanted to you know, follow the path to going to medicine. Uh, but very quickly during my college years, I got exposed to different types of technologies. Uh, I worked uh, in, a, in a team that built cars, uh, electric cars and gas-powered cars. I worked in labs where we were doing a lot of exciting work with tissue engineering, but, uh, but then I also got to work a lot with in, in the chemistry and the computer science labs on new advancements happening with tech. One of my specializations in school also became electronic materials, and there I learned more about nanotechnology. And this is, mind you, back in 2006 and seven, but we were already looking at using nanowires to create transistors to store memory, right? Because uh, you're running, you wanted to keep up with Moore's law, oh, and you yeah. had to go three-dimensional. And so nanowires allowed for a way to do the three-dimensionally. Now Intel was already kind of, in some ways, ahead of academia, and now they've built technologies that power are powered through some of the research we were doing. But technology very quickly started to pull me in, in my college years, and. When I graduated, uh, this was around the last recession uh, in 2008 to 10, it was a tough job market. And so I ended up uh, going into the manufacturing industry. And very quickly, I learned in manufacturing that automation and efficiency in technology is your biggest cutting edge. And I naturally got pulled. Uh, you know, Initially, I was brought in as a product development engineer at the first company I was at in manufacturing. It was a steel industry. But very quickly, I, was, I had the opportunity to work on process automation and automating workflows and how do we make people more efficient through technology. At the heart of that was accessing knowledge, being able to understand what is the knowledge that a person has in their mind that is repetitive that we can help automate or what is the knowledge that is collectively across an organization that we can pull in to drive more automation automation of knowledge you became fascinated with it but i'm fascinated with a lot of things but i'm not a ceo of a business that does that how did you make that transition yeah so at the core of the automation of knowledge is really making that knowledge actionable, right? Like the the more automated it is, the more fluid it is, the more you can action on it. So after uh, working at this manufacturing company, I got firsthand visibility into how important technology is and automation and knowledge, uh, making knowledge actionable is to empower efficiencies and competitive advantage for a business. But I wanted to experience that also at a software company because you know they're, they're arguably at, at a more forefront of applying software into their business as a software business. And that led me to initially go and pursue a computer science master's. So I completed a master's in computer science, wanted to really understand the fundamentals in the space, got really excited by it, uh, and then joined uh, Salesforce. And Salesforce was a really exciting experience because it allowed me to see how a company was bringing SaaS to the entire market, right? Salesforce was... When you was say the, the entire that, market, you mean the world. The world, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Salesforce brought SaaS to the world. And um, what that means is that they were building products in the cloud and, and a subscription uh, model. And my responsibility there was to work on the scalability engineering, performance engineering, capacity strategy team. So it was trying to figure out how do we scale 10, 100x when you're building a SaaS product. And it was super exciting. I was making sure that the applications 
that people are using for knowledge are always up and running. So that kind of, there's a kind of a high connection there that pulled me into wanting to work in performance systems that make sure that systems are always running and there's no outages and that knowledge from systems is available to everybody using a product. So when you were doing that, were you using AI? AI was very, very relatively new, right? And, and there just wasn't enough data where it had been trained well enough to adapt to it. I mean, there was some innovation happening there, but we didn't really see the need to leverage it at that point. We were focused on more deterministic problems that were uh, sure, sure. I was just curious if I'm trying to get a gauge on when did AI show up as a tool. So that was 2006. You were there. So 2000, sorry, 2006 was college, and then college, okay. I was at Salesforce around 2014. I left Salesforce to join a company called AppDynamics, which is a fast-growing, early to growth stage company building performance applications for the rest of the planet, right? So the, rest of the industry, and so that attracted me to take the knowledge I was learning at Salesforce and be able to bring it to a company that was building this for the rest of the enterprise. Uh, there was a lot of pain points and challenges that I experienced as we scaled AppDynamics from kind of an early stage company to a growth stage company that then was acquired by Cisco for $4 billion. Uh, the acquisition actually happened a couple days before the IPO. So, you know, we got to that point where we were ready to exit the business uh, into a public company. One of the biggest challenges that I face in my responsibility there, which is more managing the product, the core product for the company and the supporting organizations like customer care around it, was the escalation problem, right? And the biggest problem for us was how do we reduce the impact of customer escalations? And almost always escalations are related to a lack of actionable knowledge available to our customers that are escalating the issue based on the problem they're running into or our customer care teams or our internal teams not being able to find immediate knowledge that can help remediate an issue. That's sure, people, I mean, it's real simple, right? If I don't get the answer, mm-hmm. got to escalate. Yeah. Escalations led to teams working nights and weekends. They led to duplicate features being built. They led to customers churning, obviously. When customers escalate, you know, that, that's a clear leading signal that they're either starting to look at competitors. Right? And we live in a world now where the average SaaS company or company has 10 to 20 competitors. It used to be like one to two. Like Reducing escalations and providing a really good customer service experience has become a battleground. It's become a way to allow your business to define your brand. Going 10, 15 years back, that's just not how companies thought about customer care. Right? They thought about it as more cost center. Basically, before subscription licenses were a thing, um, uh, licenses were sold, uh, a perpetual license, right? So you would sell a piece of hardware or software, and then you wouldn't have like annual renewals or monthly renewals, right? So now that we moved into a subscription economy, it's become really critical that Customer care is at the center of that customer experience because customers can churn. You yeah. need to retain them. Right? They have tons of options and they have the flexibility to churn. So, so you set out to solve this problem. So that was 2014. Flash forward, 2019, you started AppEdge? Yeah, we got going with AppEdge in 2019. We didn't really start building until late 2019. We were kind of looking at assembling the core team, validating the problem. We did a lot of discovery with many different companies and prospects to really understand the pain of escalations. We felt this problem during my time at AppDynamics, Salesforce. Even at a company I was at after AppDynamics, I went to an early stage company uh, for for a couple of years. And again, same pain around managing escalations. So we went and wanted to validate this this problem, myself with my co-founder, CTO, Anthony. And we talked to dozens of companies and found that escalations are becoming a bigger and bigger pain point for companies. And there was kind of some macro trends that were leading to this. Started 2019. 
You spent the year up to 2020 understanding, but I, when you say understand, I think you were just honing down on like, where's the starting point? Yeah, so 2020, we started finding design partners to work with. Uh, also, we kind of hit into the COVID period. It's not an yeah. easy time to go find companies to work with you because everybody was panicking. Right? When COVID first started, nobody knew, uh, were they going to have a job tomorrow? Everyone's moving to hybrid. There's so much confusion, let alone trying new solutions and looking for new products. But late 2020, we're fortunate to find a couple design partners. And then we worked with them closely in 2021 to build the product. And so we were a beta solution in 2021. As we got out of that in 2022, we converted the accounts we had to paid accounts. And then we started looking at expanding the solution to new businesses. And so we were able to you know, recognize that well, now that we have a GA product, this is a product that we can bring to a lot of the other enterprises quickly to enable their team to benefit the same way that our design partners are now that they helped us build the solution. You have to work with the customer to design it properly, well, right? So that's a very yeah. key part of that journey and building the product the right way. Absolutely. You know, it's all this whole di idea of making a product, finishing it, shipping it. These aren't widgets. Mm -hmm. These are things that have to evolve rapidly. I love that you're doing something simple and bringing unified search inside an organization so that agents can can answer questions. It's that simple. Yeah, the other thing I'll quickly share, you know, when we first started building, uh, we were exploring kind of the broader enterprise organization. So we talked to engineering teams, we talked to product teams, we talked to sales teams, talked to customer care teams. All of these teams face the impact of a customer escalation because when customers escalate, in you know, a lot of the industry data will clearly point that when a company, a customer has more than one bad experience, the likelihood of churn is 80%, right? 80% means that 80% of your business can churn if you're constantly providing bad customer service experience. I feel like it's less artificial intelligence and more mixed intelligence. Mm -hmm. Now the agents have wield all of the information that's in these Slack conversations, Jira, production, Zendesk, trouble tickets, sort of unifying that in one place, you know, I think it is the way of the future. Speaking of the future, you've been you've been out in the market for a year now. You are servicing different size clients. How many is are you at liberty to say how many people have how many companies have onboarded with you this year? So uh, yeah, what I can share is you know we've grown from a beta product with a couple of accounts to double digit customers. Okay. And our goals for next year is to try to scale. grow scale up significantly. Yeah. Which with all this talk on TikTok and the Googles and the uh, YouTubes about GPT chat and how mm -hmm. that's coming into mainstream, I really do believe that 2023 year is the year where AI goes from being the Terminator, Skynet, our worst fear to our best friend. So I think that's interesting that you're sort of creating a new super intelligent best friend option for all the agents inside an organization. Do you have any highlights in 2023 that you're shooting for milestones that my audience should keep in mind and watch the trends as you do? Our, our core audience and the, the companies that we work with, it's the customer care teams that we work yeah. with. And we went with customer care for two reasons. One is we felt that these are the teams that are dealing with really frustrated customers all the time, right? They're dealing with a frustrated audience when they're, when they're dealing with customer issues. How can we make their life easier? How can we give them technology through AI Assist that makes it easier for them to address customer-facing problems and turn a frown into a smile, right? 
The other reason was that customer care organizations are companies that are directly measured based on the resolution time of mm. an issue, the, the uh, CSAT of, of the issue being solved, like the customer satisfaction, and the churn that may result from a bad customer experience, right? So they're directly correlated to that. So it made sense to provide a solution for them first. However, as we go into 2023, we are seeing interest from teams outside of customer care that want to bring a solution like AppEdge to their organizations to enhance the efficiency of their team. So we're, we've been talking to teams in sales and R&D and IT, uh, right? So different organizations within a company that also care about improving the access to knowledge and make knowledge more actionable for their teams. All of these organizations have a lot of knowledge, especially at the enterprise scale. And a lot of that knowledge is not immediately accessible to their teams or their their staff. And that leads to redundancies in the work that they do, that leads to inefficiencies, that leads to escalations internally. If you have a if you're having to find an answer for a customer and you send the wrong answer, that's that's a much higher risk conversation versus a sales team, for example, looking for something and maybe they they found the wrong the wrong piece of or maybe an outdated article for an internal communication they're having with another sales team member. I think what you're doing is innovative. I love that you're a new company in a new era of AI and the internet. You're 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 unifying information and knowledge inside organizations. It means a lot to me to share these stories with you. So I appreciate you. What is it that you'd like to get out of a relationship with the CX community? I mean, I'm really just a, a vessel or a, a, a messenger. Mm-hmm. What is it that that you're looking to get out of working with the audience? Yeah, the two messages that I like to share with the CX community, one is that there has definitely been some level of overpromise with AI and technologies over the past decade, right? I think it's important to realize that we're in an age now where that technology is only going to keep improving. There's a lot of investment across the industry to make it better. AI is not creating the knowledge. The knowledge is still created by humans. Hmm. Right? We're using AI as a means to access that knowledge and provide more intelligence on top of it to action on on that knowledge more quickly. But all the knowledge that exists in the enterprise, right? When we talk about enterprise knowledge with where we focus, it's created by people. And it could be anybody in the company creating a piece of knowledge that is now can be immediately available through AI for anybody else to action on when they run into a similar problem that that knowledge base is meant to address. And so I think that that is exciting. The other piece that's exciting is that there are a lot of advancements with technologies like GPT that we are directly leveraging because our product is really well suited to be able to use a lot of the advancements in GPT through companies like OpenAI that are powering this with the intent that we can allow for customer service teams to have more personalized responses to their customers and faster means to action on issues coming in. So our technology today helps these teams not just find the most appropriate piece of knowledge that relates to solving an issue, but furthermore, with technologies like GPT, use that to identify how to respond to the customer in a more personalized way that allows for a better customer service experience. In order to, to take this conversation forward even more, I am doing a series, the CX Stories of AI in Q1. And I'd love to be able to dive in deeper on just little snippets with you as I go through that story, just to get your voice from a more intimate perspective. I appreciate talking to you. If people want to talk to you, how do they get in touch with you? Do you want them just to just go to your website? It's Yeah, you can reach out to us through sales at aptedge.io 
our uh, info, info at aptish.io. You can also reach out to me directly at akrit at aptish.io. We're always looking to talk to new companies that are excited about the potential of enhancing their operations through faster knowledge discovery, through more actionable knowledge. I will say, you know, as final, kind of to finally remark a few sure. other things, knowledge is only going to continue to grow. And this, there's a few reasons for that. Products are being updated more and more quickly. So new features are rolling out. You know, companies are innovating every week as opposed to, you know, once every other year. Like, so products are changing faster. This obviously has to do with a lot of the advancements with R&D products and solutions. We're also seeing that customers have tighter expectations on responses when things break. Right? People are more impatient than they were like 20 years ago. And so the risk of escalations has gone up and, and you have to be able to action on information more quickly. And a lot of leaders will often focus on top level KPI metrics that are being driven by their board on we need to improve CSAT, we need to improve, we need to reduce our costs, right? But the fundamental piece of all of that is your employees, your team. And if you can empower, if you focus on what can I do to make my team more efficient and smarter, like I've got, you know, 20 people on my team, how can I make every single person 50% more efficient, 50% smarter, that'll affect all the other metrics around, that'll organically improve CSAT, that'll organically improve your uh, TCO, your efficiency metrics, your resolution time metrics, uh, your escalations will get reduced, you know, your onboarding time will get reduced for new folks, and it'll increase, it'll improve the attrition risk, which is also a big problem, it'll keep your team members happier, they'll directly feel that you're buying technology to invest in them, not replace them, but invest in them, make them work more efficiently, help them harness the knowledge to be smarter every single day and learn more every single day. You've really articulated the, the challenges there that I think, think most leaders are facing. I look forward to hearing more about how you empower organizations to unify search and knowledge and create better customer experience. Thank you for being in the studio. Thanks for being my first guest ever in the studio. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me, Dennis. Thanks for joining us for this edition of CX in the Wild. If you've enjoyed the show today, please share it with someone else who appreciates this kind of original content. And be sure to visit DennisWakabayashi.com to catch up with Dennis or find out where we're going to be on our next CX in the Wild adventure.